calling all aspiring investment professionals. Get a leg up on the competition. Final registration for the August CFA exam ends on May 14th. Register now to secure your spot. The CFA designation is a gold standard in the investment world, opening doors to high-powered careers and impressive salaries. Head over to cfainstitute.org to register. Don't wait. Take control of your finance career today. Hi, I'm Kurt Schacht. Welcome to another episode of our Take 15 series. Steve McMenamin is here from the Greenwich Roundtable. That is not a hedge fund. Uh, it is a not-for-profit organization located in Greenwich, Connecticut that is focused on best practices and investor education in the hedge fund space. Steve, welcome. Thank mm. you very much for being here. You, First Kurt. off, tell us just a little bit more about the Greenwich Roundtable. Thank you, Kurt. And it's a real pleasure to be here. And it's finally we get a chance to be heard and bring this topic of investor education out. But what the Roundtable is, we're a not-for-profit research and education company. We're based in Greenwich. It just so happened that we're based in Greenwich because most of the hedge funds uh, were leaving Manhattan um, around the late 1990s. And we became a real cottage industry up there, at least in, in town. Uh, but the biggest demand that I saw in the marketplace, we saw in the marketplace in about the mid-90s was for education. Uh, especially with all these new strategies coming out, very, very complicated strategies, strategies that no one had ever heard about before. So we formed a, um, a coalition of limited partners, and um, we said, let's educate ourselves. We've taken an approach um, where we're not trying to tell anyone what to do. We're only trying to tell ourselves what to do. And hence, we have published a series of best practice documents for limited partners. Um, the roundtable, our membership, are institutional and private investors, fund of funds, pension plans, endowments, family offices, and so on. Uh, we are not a hedge fund, thank you very much for clarifying mm -hmm. that, nor are we the hedge fund advocacy group, or do we discuss only hedge funds. We also go into venture capital, private equity, natural resources, mining, oil and gas, and anything that's considered to be non-traditional um, investing. So what do you make of all the hype around the hedge fund industry? It, 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 does the media sort of pick on this? It seems like um, it, it sort of throws all these controversies, all of these scandals into the lap of hedge funds. It's Madoff, it's MF Global, mm -hmm. it's the hedge funds were somehow involved in the financial crisis overall. Mm -hmm. A lot of times very little connection between the actual hedge fund sector and the hedge fund industry, but it gets sort of embroiled in the, in the debate. Mm -hmm. what, what, what's, uh, what's going on with that? You know, Hedge funds have always been controversial, um, as long as I can remember, um, in the press, within the industry. Uh, and, and it's my, been my observation that uh, only recently has it become justified. In the early days um, of hedge fund coverage, hedge funds were not allowed to go public. They couldn't talk to the media. There was an event, um, a reporter named Laura Jureski at the Wall Street Journal um, covered Hedge, a hedge fund in a way that was inappropriate and um, uh, the hedge fund sued and the journal lost uh, the, this story. So what that was was a message for all hedge funds to go underground because that was the beginning of the hostile coverage, primarily because hedge funds are secretive. Um, they are secretive, they will tell you, and, and sometimes for very good reasons, because they're trying to protect their competitive advantage. 
And um, if, if I have, to, uh, like for example, if it's 1849 and we're in the California hills and I have um, discovered a gold mine, um, I want to keep that secret because I want to mine that vein of gold as long as I can before others discover it. And the same thing with hedge funds. So it was that. And then there was an SEC prohibition on speaking in public because these are private funds, they're exempt structures, and they can't hold themselves out to the public. Well, on September 23rd of this year, that all goes away because the SEC has just lifted that ban. But in the early days, early days, mid-1990s, you had a case where simply um, a list of hedge fund performance was published in Barron's. And just being on that list drew attention to the SEC. A fellow named Barry Barbash ran enforcement at the SEC at the time, and he actually went after all those hedge funds that were innocently listed in Barron's. That further drove hedge funds underground and out of the media purview. Mm -hmm. So it's that aura of secrecy that there's something going on that we don't know about that just peaks. I mean, it's just, you know, like blood in the water for sharks with yes. reporters. So they're going after it. But that, that's a fair characterization that they are a, a bit mysterious, that mm -hmm. there is not a whole lot of transparency around what it is they're doing. But there is a, a long embedded reason for that. Did you um, feel that that so that affects the public view of this. Are they any more or less ethical than the rest of the financial services industry? Um, I would say that they are like a reflection of the entire financial services industry. Uh, there are no more, no less. What they are is um, they are acting out of their self-interest. And, um, and if, the, if those interests are aligned with their investors, they're acting for the interest of the investor. It's when um, we get into this area of high fees that um, people can become addicted to those high fees. This is my comment. Jules Kroll once said, we gave a teach-in at the SEC once. And Jules said, beware, the high fees are a great incentive for managers to cheat. Uh, it's just too great. Um, we saw that with Madoff. He started heading south with his, with his returns, and all of a sudden, um, he had to cover it up. It's the same way. If you're getting 2 and 20 and you're earning millions and millions of dollars a year and your performance heads south, the investors are going to redeem you. So the incentive to cheat is very high in that sense. Um, there, are, there are a lot of other issues surrounding fees, which, um, which add to this um, Let's talk a little bit about that in the in the context of the the whole value proposition for mm -hmm. this for this sector, mm -hmm. the two and twenty. Um, you know, somebody once said that the hedge fund sector is a fee structure masquerading as an asset class. <laughs> um, so, is there what is the value proposition? So um, the value proposition, I think it's gotten less and less. So by the way, the industry started the hedge fund industry started at one and twenty. And the venture capital funds were charging two and twenty. Why? Because, or the buyout funds were two and twenty also because, because they had to go out and restructure companies and they needed those extra fees to um, do what they had to do. Hedge funds are operating with very, very low overhead, um, and in some cases, almost no overhead if you take into account the commissions and the soft dollar rules that allow them to recoup their um, their operating expenses. So the value proposition's gotten less. It's there, but it's still there. You've got to pick the right managers. You have to 
to, to pick the upper quartile managers, I'm assuming, mm -hmm. to, to realize that value proposition. Mm -hmm. Back to one thing that you mentioned, that there is so much pressure on a manager that is in that fee structure to maybe sort of stretch the bounds of ethical practice. It seems like mm -hmm. there's a lot of insider trading activity that has been sort of associated with hedge funds. Is that a sort of a real pressure that, the, that a hedge fund manager feels? It, it very, very, very much is. Um, back when I started in the business, and I started with Michael Bloomberg, uh, most of the information um, on Wall Street was not in the public domain because we didn't have all these beautiful electronic systems immediately putting this information out. And you really had to dig into company annual reports and SEC filings to uncover the asset values. Now, um, information is ubiquitous, especially with the Internet. It's widely known. It's almost, there's too much information. And, and the real value added comes to uh, judgment, where knowing what to listen to and what not to listen to and to take into account. But um, that whole information chain has made everything more and more competitive. I have always said, um, at least in the last five years, that managers are going to have to trade closer to the wind. Uh, to get that competitive edge. Not that they're insider trading, and, and those lines are very, very murky here. I mean, the, the defense that SAC has used in the past has been this mosaic of information defense. In other words, and it's, it, to some extent it can be true, that Steve Cohen could probably trade better uh, using available public sources, reading the tape, and so on, putting together a mosaic of public information that an informed insider can act on inside information. Steve Cohen could probably extract more profits out of that trade than the insider could. So there's some truth to that defense, but for the general population, it's very, very, very difficult to beat the market averages. And by the way, this value proposition of that hedge funds dampen volatility, in other words, they're putting on shorts so that they can protect the downside. That's like buying a very expensive insurance policy that just gives away returns or sources of profits. Do I really want that um, insurance policy? It's been our policy at the round table, or at least in our portfolio construction best practices and complexity best practices, is to embrace volatility. Just to understand that it's going to exist, put, put it into your portfolio. Why? Because that's how markets behave. Our respective organizations are very concerned about the whole diminution of the trust factor, the level of confidence in the financial services industry. I think we're, we're both focused in on ways that we think we can improve that. Mm -hmm. If you look at the various stakeholders that have a role in this improving trust, what, what sort of suggestions would you have for managers, for investors and others? Mm -hmm. Well, for managers, I would say take a look at your value proposition. I think one of the greatest opportunities for managers nowadays is to abandon the 1 in 20, the 2 in 20 fee structure. Go back to 100 basis points of assets under management. Be more ethical in your fee structure and offer value to, in, to your investors. Don't think that you're entitled to those returns just because you can get them temporarily. Uh, also for managers is to um, develop a code of best practices. Look at what you're doing and say, is this going to hurt the system? And I think we all have to uh, look at that. I'd say that that's very, very important for managers and more so for the people who service them on the sell side. They really do need to look at that. For investors, I think it's up to investors to, to remain as the clearing mechanism in the marketplace. 
if they feel the value proposition is not being met, is to move on. I mean, investors have very few rights in hedge funds, but the biggest single right they have is the power of redemption, is uh, the sell ticket. And um, that they should use that more judiciously to also, on the front side, before they go in, look at that value proposition. Do they really justify those fees? Are they adding value? Are they doing something differently? And, um, and also for investors is to not um, overindulge. Just because your policy portfolio says that you have to have 60% of your assets in alternatives doesn't mean that you should plunge and get in there right away right. because the opportunities are not always ripe at the time that you want to get in, into those. So take your time. Strike when the opportunities are there, not when your investment committee says that you have to get there. Thank you very much for being here. Thank Great you, to Kurt. talk to you. For more on this topic and other subjects, visit us at www.cfainstitute.org. For all of us here at CFA Institute, I'm Kurt Schacht. See you next time on Take 15. Copyright 2013 CFA Institute. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.